tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 50. Well, Happy New Year, my friend. 2020 was quite a year, wasn't it? It's nothing like any of us planned, but in today's episode, my friend Susie Larson reminds us that it wasn't outside of God's plan. He knew all about it. He knows everything we faced, and He's been at work in everything that we've gone through. And I really believe that today He wants to give us a new perspective to help us see our current reality through His eyes so that we can live our lives according to His truth, not by our feelings and definitely not by our fears. God wants to teach us how to prevail. Oh, you guys, it is always my pleasure to have Susie Larson on the podcast. Susie was my first guest back when The Living Room began and my most popular episode. And I can't wait to have you share with us on your new book called Prevail, 365 Days of Enduring Strength from God's Word. And we're celebrating 50 episodes, which isn't a big deal, except that we do it every other week. And so I can't think of anyone I would rather have on with me than you today, my friend. How are you doing, Susie? Well, I'm grateful to be with you, my friend. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, Well, I'll tell you what, I still get some little notes about your episode. And if you guys have not listened to that, it's episode one. And Susie just shared some powerful truth. Here's the thing I love about talking to Susie. We will start with her book, but then all the way through and in between and all of the rabbit trails will be all about Jesus. And I can't wait to see where the Holy Spirit leads us, my friend. Hmm. Well, I know every time we talk, Joanna, I always want to show up and I always want to serve. Absolutely. But it's without fail. When you and I talk, I leave with some goods. You know what I mean? Like God pours some things into my arms and I'm nourished and I'm strengthened and uh, it's so mutual. So I too am looking forward to this time. Thank you. Well, I, yes, ditto, my friend, ditto. I have been just, first of all, admiring this book because it is so beautiful. It's full color and it's got that really nice, touchy feely um, cover. (laughs) I'm such a tactile person. And so I'm, I'm going to be keeping this by my bed and reading it each day because it is a beautiful, beautiful devotional. Can you tell us a little bit about the format and and what inspired it? Absolutely. Well, I think I think the last time you and I talked, we might have talked about my book, Fully Alive, if I remember right. But we talked about, I, I had a pretty massive health relapse about five years ago. Uh, I battled Lyme disease. And then this was a culmination of mold toxicity that attacked my brain. And it was pretty devastating. I'm on my way through that and out of that. Not, not, not where I want to be yet, but uh, much farther along. But anyway, uh, kind of springing out of that time, you know, I hung on to God's word and his promises and, and the reality of his goodness like I never had before. Like I had to remind my soul, I am tethered to a good, good God. So Prevail, uh, it was interesting. You know, most of my books, and you'll appreciate this, Joanna, that most of my books are probably 55, 60,000 words. And this ended up being close to 120,000 words. So it's wow. a pretty massive project. But what I did was search Genesis 
to revelation uh, through the whole arc of scripture, looking for evidences and opportunities to stand in battle and to flourish in our souls. And so evidences are when they did it right and what we can learn from them. Opportunities are when they did it wrong and we can learn from them. And what I noticed, you know, the Old Testament is that so much of the Bible is the Old Testament and the narrative repeats itself over and over again, where God is good to his people. He blesses us. We make it all about us. We wander and we take credit for things we ought to give him glory for. We fall into our sin. We deal with the consequences. We get into trouble. We cry out to God and in his mercy, he comes to get us again. And, and one of the things I was thinking is, Lord, I don't, I don't want us to have air amnesia. I want us to, I mm. want us to know your word and know your heart and to stand strong, especially in these days. And I'll just say a quick word about the title before I tell you about the format, but the title, we gave it the title before we ever knew what 2020 held. I mean, it was the last year we titled this thing. And prevail means two things. It means to prove more powerful than your opponent and to be the last one standing. Mm. And I love that. It makes me quake in my boots when I think about that, because that is a promise straight from, from the Lord that we will overcome because Jesus won a sound victory against our enemy. So the, this book, the format, you can go if you want to go from Genesis to Revelation, if you're kind of a, you like to read the Bible in that chronological order, but a lot of people don't. So we have an index in the front with topics. If you're dealing with fear or insecurity or worry or whatever you're thinking, thing is, and then you'll see a number of the devotionals under that topic. So a lot of people just like to read it at random. But one of the things that I was praying fervently about as I worked my way through scripture was that every time, no matter where you open up, there would be a, a now word, a prophetic word mm -hmm. from heaven where the word of God just quickens in you. And it's, it is pretty meaty. I I've personally, when I read devos, don't like a lot of fluff. So it's a short reading. You've got a scripture, you've got a short kind of pack a punch you know, where I unpack a little bit of the, of the, what the meaning of the verses and a quick application. And then there, the opportunity to read more of the context. I just reference what the context is. And then there's a flourish section and it's just practical application, uh, just a line or two of how to put this into practice and then a short prayer. And so every day it's formatted that way. And boy, we're hearing amazing, amazing things. So I'm super grateful for how it turned out. And as you know, Bethany gave it a hardcover with a gorgeous, you know, four color pages. And uh, wow, you know, I, it was a labor of love. But once I saw, had it in my hands, I, I just marveled at the goodness of God. Yeah. Well, and the beautiful thing is, is if you guys are listening to this interview in March, you can still get this devotional because it's just numbered by day rather than by date. And I really, really love how you've given us the two opportunities to read chronologically through the Bible or to go by topic. You've got uh, dealing with sin, faith amid opposition, uh, entries on the peace of God, the power of the gospel, sharing your faith, shining in the darkness. There's just wonderful things that like you can just page through the contents uh, content page and find what do I need from the Lord today? So this is a, so interactive and it's so practical. And, and as always, it's so powerful. I love the words that God gives you, Susie, because they just seem to just cut through the fluff. I'm with you, girl. I am not a fluffy devotional girl. I want, I want meat. And you have definitely set a beautiful table. You know, you talked about 2020 being such a crazy year, and and I love the timing of the Lord for this devotional. But I was just thinking, you know, for those out there that are listening and that word prevail, 
and, and they hear it and they want it, but they feel perhaps like they are doing anything but prevailing. They just feel like they're surviving. How do we move from that posture of surviving to, to that place of thriving? Well, it's a great question. I know how um, I have to do that as someone who still deals with some chronic health issues is you think about any time there's a delay of the promise, any time the burden feels heavier than the weightiness of God's promise, any time God feels uh, absent because he's silent, it's the enemy will leverage those moments to step in between as if he can between us and God to say, did God really say, do you think he really is? Do you think you really are? And uh, th- th- those are the times where we walk by faith, not by sight. And, um, you know, this is a, I, this is a, a loose um, interpretation of a Soren Kierkegaard quote, because I just don't remember it exactly, but he said something to the effect that, that Jesus not only loved us first, that first time he loves us first every single day. Mm. And um, the, the love of God is what changes us. And I, you know, I, I have a daily radio talk show and I love brain science. And just because I see how connected it is to as a person, I worked in the fitness industry for 15 years and I've battled health things my whole adult life. And I love God's word. So to see how God has fearfully and wonderfully made us and knit us together and how important it is to understand uh, the depths of what scripture actually means. I got to tell you, I had a brain scientist on Dr. Tim Jennings, and he talked about um, that if we were to spend 15 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, doing nothing else but pondering how much God loves us. Maybe you write down a number of scriptures. Maybe you remember some of your history with God. Maybe you dream a little bit with God, but you just set aside 15 minutes a day pondering the love of God, the love that he has for you. Um, It will change your brain structure and it'll change your soul. I mean, it literally does change things neurologically for you, not to mention how spiritually it changes things. So I know for me, Joanna, when my spiritual disciplines become ought to's and should do's, and maybe I've said this on your show before and not a get to. For me, it's because I've lost sight of the love of God. So when I'm in a place of just surviving, like my anchor, my hope is to get back to that place to remind my soul that I can't. I can't interpret God's love um, through the lens of my momentary hardships. That's why scripture says that we don't look at what our eyes can see because it's temporary. You know, we fix our eyes on what we cannot see because these are light and momentary troubles and they're achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And the fact is our problems don't always feel light and momentary. There's nothing about them that feels light and momentary, but the word is true. So the contrast of the glory that awaits us is so significant we can't even imagine. So I say every moment, every hardship, every battle has eternal implications, like whether you choose faith or not, whether you choose love or not, whether you choose to find your strength and the joy of the Lord or not. And our um, our part in that really makes a very big difference. Do I, I'm going to choose to believe the Father's love even when it doesn't feel true. I don't know about you, but there's just times where I've had to say, I want to pay attention to my feelings at different times, but I, in certain seasons, I'm not leading with my feelings. So I don't know if that's helpful, but it sure has helped me. Well, that's exactly what the Lord's been teaching me. Um, I'm going through my journals from the last three years because they've been, you know, working on a new book and just the struggle of it that it is for me. And one of the things that I just keep 
the Lord keeps bringing me back to over and over is Joanna, I need you to stop living by your feelings. Mm. And I need you to start living by the fact that you are mine, that I love you and I have good, good things for you. And if I, if you're constantly judging me by your experience or your current reality, basically it came down to this. He said to me one day, you need to stop contradicting me. Mm, that's good. You got to stop contradicting me. And every time I allow my feelings to lead, most of the time, especially when it's in that negative bent, I'm in opposition to God's word. I, I just am. And so how to do that? And I think that that's one of the things I love about this devotional is you bring us back to the truth of God's word. And I do love that he didn't tidy up scripture to just make it stories of people who only and always overcame. You know, I love that you said we're going to learn from those mistakes as well. Absolutely. You know, we we are in a day... Um, of cherry picking theology, my truth and your truth. And it's so damaging. I mean, it really is a post-truth culture is what they're calling it right now. And one of the things I do love about um, this devotional, if I can say that, just it's the invitation to follow the Lord on his terms. And uh, there's one that I'm, if, if I could read to you, um, that's all right for you. Uh, just because we forget sometimes uh, who we're dealing with here. And I remember a pastor friend of mine years ago said, you know, I read certain parts of scripture and I just want to take a little scissors and cut up, cut them out because I don't want to listen to them. I don't want to apply them to my life. But he said, the more I get to know the love of God and the character of the Father God, I realize that the word is like a sword and it needs to cut some of the things out of my life, but only for my transformation, mm -hmm. only so I can be, uh, re reflect God's glory through Christ likeness. And that, you know, it's the pure in heart that see God. And, you know, um, in this day of such vitriol, such division, I've never in my lifetime seen such division politically, denominationally, I mean, in the church, in the body of Christ. And one of the last things Jesus prayed is, you know, may you be one, right? Amen. And we're fighting over the un most unbelievable things. And in this cancel culture, it's people are forcing you to choose a side, to say, tell me what side you're on so I can either validate you or mm. vilify you. And people don't get to do that. I don't know who people think they are. But so here's a Devo that I actually really like. Um, and I title it On the Lord's Side. It's day 39. And the verse is from Joshua. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you a friend or foe? Neither one, he replied. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. And here's a devotional. God had just told Joshua to be strong and courageous, not to fear or fret. Why? Because the Lord was on Joshua's side. If God is for you, who can stand against you? So why didn't this commander also tell Joshua, I'm a friend, I'm on your side? Well, it's one thing to put your unwavering trust in the Lord. It's another to presume upon God. Though Joshua's heart was all in, the Israelites still had wandering hearts. The angel reminded Joshua that though God is with us, we are the ones on God's side. He sets the terms. He guides our ways and he gets the say. When we fail, he loves us still. When we're unfaithful, he remains faithful. But sometimes we need a spiritual reset, a reminder of just who it is we serve. He is the God of angel armies and we should take him seriously. 
And the mm. flourish section says, are you hiding any idols in your tent? Because the Israelites were, and that's why that was a cautionary word, again, for protection, because you have idols in your tent. The enemy has legal access to you. So we presume upon God to say, I'm right, you're wrong, and uh, I know God is for me, so he must be against you. And there's times where we need to go, search me, oh God, and know my heart. So that again, back to the action step, are you hiding any idols in your tent, justifying things you know you shouldn't? Come clean before Almighty God and receive the grace and mercy He's so willing to lavish upon you. Nothing compares. Precious Lord, sometimes I get so used to hearing that you are for me that I forget to check my heart to see if I'm still for you. Give me Mm -hmm. a heart to love and honor you all of my days. Fill me afresh with the wonder of your love. I like that one because I feel like it's a wake-up call. And that's what I meant about this book being kind of a boot camp for the soul. It's not all fluff. It's not all butterflies and roses. There are times where God's word convicts us and confronts us, but it's always with love, always with a holy admonishment, never condemnation. And I hope I conveyed that throughout the book. Yeah. Oh, well, you are putting your finger on something that that I've been thinking and praying a lot about. And it is, it's that, (laughs) oh my goodness. So this sounds a little weird, but as I've been praying about our current situation, you know, it used to be, and still a lot of people talk about, uh, they use the term a religious spirit, but I feel like we've almost got a political spirit going on where, where we are, um, we are looking to man rather than to God to guide us. And that is just dangerous, dangerous ground. And that's why we've got to get back to scripture. We've yeah. got to get back to what does God say? He's the only one who gets to say, it's not my opinion. It's it's not what I think should happen. It's what does the word of God say? And how am I to live right here, right now in this culture, whether whether the political party I prefer is in power or not, that doesn't matter. Jesus must be the king and ruler of my life. Well, I've been uh, calling that political idolatry and I've been talking about it kind of a lot on the show because I'm deeply concerned. I mean, and how do you know if you've got an idol in your tent? Well, the kind of fruit it produces in your life, you know, yeah. I have Chip Ingram on who's just gentle and loving and so biblical. And we talked, I think it was before the election, no matter how this shakes out, we've got to be humble and loving and civil with our brothers and sisters in Christ who voted differently. You would believe the screaming anger that we got wow. from some people because you're, you know, you're saying what, you know, and that that's how, you know, it's like, if you're guarding your idol to the point where the uglies come out of you, you got to look at that <laughs> because the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, mm. kindness. And th- yes, we stand in battle, but our battle is not against flesh and blood against it's against principalities. So I say, when you abide in the vine, you become a humble lover, follower of Christ, and you become fierce in spiritual warfare. But even the people who persecute you, Jesus says, bless them. Yeah. And just a couple examples in Iran, that's where the fastest growing church in the world is happening right now. In China, there are the most Christians per capita in China than anywhere else in the world. These are places that vehemently oppose Christianity. So if you're if you're about gospel Christianity, you can know that the gates of hell will not prevail. Yes. The church. So I think we've got to pay really close attention. What is coming out of my heart? Uh, what are my when life bumps up against me? Do people see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, or they see the uglies? Because we got to pay attention to that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the Lord's really been talking to me about 
just guarding my heart against judgment and a critical spirit. Uh, because no matter what what uh, side of the argument you find yourself on, it's just so easy to judge. And when we judge, we quench the power of the Holy Spirit and His work in our life. And if we want to be people of truth, then again, I think we've got to submit. We've got to submit what we're really embracing as truth and as the guidelines of life and see if it lines up with scripture and where it doesn't. Again, we come back to, we've got to choose. We've got to choose what we're going to believe. Am I going to believe what the word of God says or what my personal opinion says, what Mm -hmm. my agenda says? Anything less, we're going to be led astray. I, I think that's the thing that scares me most in this cancel culture, in this critical, judgmental, divisive thing is that, like you said, we're losing the very thing that Jesus said would would mark us as believers, and that's love. And when I'm walking in judgment, I, I it's impossible to walk in love. How, what have you found in that arena? When my boys were growing up, they're grown now, but I said to them, especially when they got into high school and college years, uh, when just because justice is a thing for us, you know, we care about human trafficking victims and they knew that we were involved in those things back then. But we told them, if you have to let go of love to hang on to your cause, you've lost mm-hmm. your way. And I want to say that again. If you have to let go of love to hang on to your cause, you've lost your way. And, you know, it's interesting. Kevin and I often every year we close the year several days before the end of the year and then into the first week of the new year fasting um and really turning off all of our you know screens basically no tv none of that and uh just what we need on the screen for work but we shut it down early and we we just linger longer in god's presence we'll sit down here in the family room where i'm right now and we put on a fire and open up our bibles put on some instrumental music and we wait in, on god and last year as we we're crossing into 2020 The Lord just spoke over and over and over again to us. The pure in heart see God. I want you to pray. Mm -hmm. Purify my heart, God. Purify my heart. So I, you know, I exited 19 and entered 20 in those first couple months. And you pray that prayer. He shows you mixed motives. He shows you angst. Uh, He shows you all those things. And it's a hard prayer to pray. But I want to tell you, it's the most beautiful thing because he would always be right there to cleanse me, to purify me. And in every degree that I would start to see things in my own self-life that needed to come up and go, he was right there to fill me afresh. So like he took up more real estate in my heart and he Mm -hmm. gave me laser-like vision. And I knew something was coming to our nation. And it was like, and to have him anchor me in the opening of the year with a purity of heart, knowing where things would go was such an incredible gift. So he wasn't saying, pray for a pure heart so I can condemn you for all that stuff I see that you actually don't see right now. <laughs> right. It wasn't that. It was a calling up and a prepping me so that I, know, that I knew all year long that if I lose my peace and lose my joy, I've lost my way. So I got to get back into that place. Where have I gone astray, Lord? But the pure in heart see God. And I want to see him. I want to discern him in this time. It has been so powerful. And I just say he, he'll he do that for anybody. You can have as much of God as you want. I don't know who said that first, but many have said it before me. You can have as much of yeah. God as you want. You draw near. He draws near. And listen, he rewards those who earnestly seek after him. Mm-hmm. So as you press in, as 
is in, in this coming year and you lean in and you look ahead, Lord, wh- what do you want me to know? How, where should I put my feet? What are you preparing me for? Because Joanna, I believe if we can lay down our preferences and I'm not saying be passive and let the enemy take your territory, not at all. But I'm saying if you're fighting for your entitlements and your preferences to the point you're getting ugly about it and you can stop your striving and trust God, you will move into a place of power. But if you're fighting in the flesh, you can't have both. You're not going to walk in power. And so I really believe as the enemy has come in and had a heyday in this previous year, uh, wielding fear, wielding isolation, Mm -hmm. he's had a heyday and he's gotten away with murder, really, in so many ways. He can't do that without God already having a plan in place. And he's looking for his remnant who are seeking his face. And I believe as we walk through 2021, you draw near, he will draw near. He will give you a word in due season that somebody needs to hear. And God knew 2020 was going to happen. He knows about 2021. And he knew you would be living and breathing on the earth for such a time as this. So you don't need to hunker down and hide and bide your time. You need to rise up and believe, God, what is the word of the Lord for me? What's the word of the Lord through me? Because you want to walk in power. You submit your whole will to him. You die where you need to die. And then you see what God will do because he will work mighty wonders through you. Hallelujah. I love that. I love that. And I, you know, that's exactly what the Lord's been saying to me is, Joanna, let me show you your heart. And and that can be so terrifying. But on the other side of making ourselves available for that searchlight of heaven is freedom. You know, he only reveals so he can heal. And so even as we've been talking, if you just feel the Lord kind of putting his finger on something in your heart and you kind of feel a little bit of a pushback and like, and you're just like, I'm not, yeah, I'm right. I'm right. I know I'm right. Well, even when we're right, we can be wrong. And so wherever that spot is, that idolatry, just inviting the Lord, you know, I've just been praying David's prayer. Create in me a clean heart, oh God, and renew a right spirit in me. We need a right spirit today. I was just going to say, you can have a right opinion with a wrong spirit. And that's what you're saying there. You can be right in your assessment of something. Yes. Wrong spirit. And I think we all know when we get in a wrong spirit, irritation, judgment, Mm -hmm. summing people up, you know, where you, you are so much more angry about a person's stance than you are concerned about their soul. You've got a wrong spirit. And as Christians, you know, judgment starts with the house of God. I know that's a hard word, but when we come into that place of beauty and rest and peace, we know God is on his throne. And as Anne Graham Lotz has said on my show plenty of times, things are not falling apart. They're falling into place. Mm. Your heart matters more even than the issues. Your heart matters most to God. And Joanna, if there's another one, I just feel kind of prompted to share if it's okay with you. Yes, yes. Because I, you know, part of this is, you know, God's dealings with us. And I know that's, that's an uncomfortable word, but it's really a beautiful word if you'll enter into it. But on the other side of that is life transforming, mountain moving types of prayers. And if you can remember who you are, that as an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ, you can start to pray from that place and see that your story is bigger than you are. Yeah. 
And this is another one of my favorites from the Devo. I titled it, Answer Me So That They Will Know. And it's based on 1 Kings 18.37. And this is the face-off in Mount Carmel when Elijah's got the face-off with the, with the prophets. And, you know, this crisis wouldn't have happened if things were all comfortable and rosy for the people. But they were mm-hmm. in a full crisis, so the face-off happened. Well, we are in a face-off time right now. And Elijah says, oh, Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O oh Lord, our God, and that you have brought them back to yourself. Elijah asked God to show himself strong on Elijah's behalf, both to show that he was the one true God and to draw people back to himself. Oftentimes when we're in a predicament, we minimize it. We assume that since we're not facing down giants or evil kings, that God's intervention on our behalf won't be as significant. But did you know that others are watching your life from a distance? They know you profess Christ, and they want to know how you'll handle things when life pushes up against you. What if you stood back, considered your observers, and dared to pray Elijah's prayer? Father, this isn't just for me. It's for those who are watching me. I am your servant. Intervene in my life so that others may see that you are the one true God. Show yourself strong on my behalf because I belong to you. Draw others to you because of your very real power in my life. Well, if you're in step with the Lord and obeying his word, you are on solid biblical ground to pray such a prayer. Mm -hmm. So the action step, the flourish step is this. Pray audaciously today and tomorrow and the next day. The God of heaven knows your name and he loves you so, profoundly so. And the prayer, God of heaven, show me how to pray big story prayers. I want my whole life to bear witness to your redeeming power. Stir up a fresh passion in my soul. Amen. Beautiful. Beautiful. It reminds me of if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, I will heal their land. We need this kind of audacious prayer for our families, for our country, for ourselves, so that we can be what God wants us to be. I love that. Hmm. He is on the move. And really, this is when you can step away from your fear, this is a powerful, powerful time to be a believer. Um, Amen. And it's, a, it, it's not a time to be vanilla, you know, and it's not a time to be numbing out, uh, you know, just so that you don't have to face the music. This is a time to step back, to remind your soul who God is, to be immersed in his word, to getting a sense of what he's saying for why your position on the earth. I believe in these days ahead, Joanna, we are going to see moves of God that we have yeah. only dreamed about. I believe it. I think there's going to be a massive harvest of souls, I believe, with everything in me. I want to say it's like, I know it in my knower. Prodigals are coming home. Mm. I believe that some of the most extreme voices that are destructive yeah. to our culture are going to have Saul-like conversions Thank you, and become some of our nation's greatest evangelists. I think other countries are going to send missionaries to America. I believe a great awakening is coming. Um, but God moves on the humble, as you say, as we humble ourselves and we turn from our wicked ways. So Lord, search me, know me, show me if there's anything in me that offends you and lead me in everlasting way. You know, I'm putting my buckets out and I'm preparing for rain. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. And and it all comes down to where am I personally with the Lord? Yeah. And it feels like we're majoring in the minors and we're minoring in the majors. You know, I've just been thinking personally, you know, Lord, forgive me that I've gotten so caught up in the peripherals that I'm missing this opportunity to share the good news with people who are literally could be facing death. 
you know, here we are in this pandemic. We, we don't know what truth is necessarily, and there's all sorts of opinions, but what an opportunity to share our faith. And yet if we get caught up in those side eddies, you know, just those little cul-de-sacs of in sometimes just nonsense rather than the main thing, because I really do, I agree. And scripture says that in the last days, there will be a mighty influx of souls. I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that. So how do we get our soul positioned to where we're not moved by all of the stuff that we see, that we're, we're, we're really just, I'm also really just been praying, Lord, I, I need a laser focus. But second of all, and I'd like to hear what you think about this, the Lord's been putting his finger on something that I've kind of thought of as a strength, but I'm seeing that there's an underbelly of weakness. And that is my tendency to be a truth teller. Well, I'm just a truth teller. Well, I know God's word says this, but my reality is this. And so I have this fight in my soul to say, yeah, God says this, but this is what I'm facing. And I'm realizing that in my desire to be a quote unquote truth teller or a true, you know, uh, to make sure that I'm just a- accurately describing my situation, I'm negating God's truth and what he says. So that's a multi-layered question. But how do we get recalibrated in our soul for this time on the earth? All right. Well, I want to address, uh, well, I've got a multifaceted answer for you, but I think our last conversation, if I remember right, um, I addressed fear um, out of Fully Alive. So I went after that pretty significantly there. And I feel like I need to address this piece right now, just uh, for those who maybe missed that, or it's been a long time since they heard that first podcast. Um, but as someone who deals with a chronic inflammatory condition, um, and I belt that battle fear my whole life because of some trauma that I endured as a child. Um, when I had this health relapse, two of my doctors basically sat me down and who are believers. One is an MD and one's a functional med doc separately and said this, Susie, we're doing everything we can to bring the inflammation down in your body. But you got to do something with that fear because fear, when you allow fear in your life, you open the door to a cascade of inflammation in your body. Mm-hmm. And you know, sickness and disease grows in inflammation. Now, COVID is an inflammatory virus. So I just want you to think about how the enemy has wielded fear. And as you said, there's so much, I think, what I know one day God's going to pull the sky back and we're going to see how much was propaganda, how much was real, how much was people... Uh, capitalizing on it in a way so they could benefit, whatever. I don't, I, I, it's way above my prey grade, but I do know the enemy has wielded a spirit of fear against the people of God all over the world. Now, I want you to think that if he can get us into fear, it's almost like if I can't kill you with the virus, I'm going to kill you with fear because we get into fear. We're on suddenly actually more vulnerable to sickness because our immune system plummets because we're in a place of inflammation. So that's one thing. Now, the Bible says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. Fear is a spirit and it's not from God. He's given us a spirit of power, love, and sound mind. That's 2 Timothy 1, 7. Well, I want to unpack those three things real quick. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear. That is from the pit of hell. He's given us a spirit of power. Power is where we get the word dynamite. It's dunamis power. So the, the spirit that we are to be walking in is a supernatural, dynamic, otherworldly kind of power, the kind of power that rose Christ from the grave. You can't be walking 
walking in fear and that kingdom power at the same time. And this is from a person I've had to contend with fear my whole life. So I, and I am not a fearless person yet, I'm, but I've overcome a lot. Okay. Love the word love in that particular verse is translates agape. And it's that kind of love. It's the Christ-like love that you lay your life down for another. And I want you to think about this. People aren't walking uh, and uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. People aren't walking in power. They're walking in the flesh. People aren't walking in this lay your life down kind of love. They're walking in self-preservation. And then yeah. sound mind. People have lost their wits, but he's given us a spirit of sound mind. This to me should be a plumb line for us because when you have the spirit of the living God in you and you, you're not walking in power, you're not laying your life down for others and considering the needs around you and how you can help. When you're letting your brain go places, you know, it shouldn't, you're not in the spirit of where God, you're not walking in the spirit. Bible says life in the flesh is death, but the life in the spirit is life and peace. And this really matters, Joanna, because I feel like in a day of everybody grabbing for themselves and self-preservation and Isaiah talks about when you tend to the wounds of others, something in you heals. So all of that to say, one of the ways we recalibrate is to say, God, break my heart for what breaks yours. Who's dealing with more fear than I am? Somebody I can help open my eyes. And the other thing that the enemy has wielded in this last year behind us is isolation. Did you know your immunities drop when you're in isolation and there's a part of your immunities that are that raise up when you're in community? Can you see how he's done everything he can to separate us from what's healthy and good? But as people of God, I mean, I don't know when this when this podcast airs where we're going to be with isolation, quarantine, distancing or if it's all passed because of the vaccine, but I will say whether we're back together again or still some measure of it, as people of God, we need to be activated to pursue community with people, whether it's online or whatever, where people can see your eyes and you light up when you see them and you communicate value, where you're actively thinking of ways to reach out to people to communicate value. Not only does that do something for somebody, but something in you heal. So to me, those are really significant. That deals a death blow to the enemy, to his fear and isolation. When you're walking in power, love, and sound mind, and you're considering the needs around you, and really profoundly going, I'm going to be a joy dispenser. I'm going to speak a word in due season to people who need it. I'm going to consider my position on the earth as someone who adds to the strength to the body of Christ. And Joanne, I'm just going to say that uh, you you think of the millions of believers in America who've come through 2020 and they're battered and they're they're confused and they don't have hope. We as God's people need to be in a position to minister to those needs. But if we're constantly nursing our grudges and our judgments and our assessments and going on bunny trails, people aren't going to want what we have. It's like yeah. when we have hope in our eyes, that's when people ask about the hope within you because they see hope on you, right? Oh. So I, I feel like that's how we steward our perspective, our hearts, and our contribution is of critical importance these days. I, I can't really stress that enough. And as far as you, you know, saying, you know, when you, when you're talking about what's going on in your life and you at times feel like your own words are bearing witness against the promises of God. I I feel like there's two sides to that, Joanna, because on one hand, we are supposed to bear one another's burdens to fulfill the law of Christ. And I'm not, I don't really subscribe to name it, claim it. I mean, I, I, I think people throw out so many of the promises of God because in some extreme sense, uh, the word of faith kind of camp where 
you can't ever say anything. You can't ever admit right. you're struggling. I, I, I don't subscribe to that. And I feel like when you do that, you're flying in a 30,000 foot view. And if people are struggling, you don't allow it. And I'm not saying you're doing this, but that has broken my heart because there's a lot of people in the valley and you're kind of insinuating, well, you must have missed a step if you're yeah. struggling. I, I can't even stand that at all. However, I'm not willing to throw out the promises of God. And I know there's power in the spoken word. So I think it's more the heart behind what you're saying. Well, I know for me, there's times when with my long journey where I've, uh, lament is even, there's a place for lament, but there's times where my lament turned to complaining where I was accusing God of being uninvolved. And it was, I was careful. I, I sounded still like a Christian. It sounded like lament, but behind it, there was accusation and I had to repent. Mm. Of but there's other times when a friend asks how I'm doing and I choke up and go, you know, it's been a, been a tough few weeks for me, to be honest. That is what it is. And she steps in and says, how can I shoulder this with you? That just makes yeah. me cry to think about it. So on one hand, I really believe there's some grace and a necessity about being honest so that we can be accessible uh, because his compassions, they never cease. But I, again, it always goes back to the heart, I think. What are, Am I accusing God or am I just being honest that I, I need a friend? Because we're not meant to do this alone. So that's a long-winded answer to a multifaceted question. <laughs> there you go. I love it. No, that's so, so good. You know, as you were talking about the inflammatory disease and and fear and, and all of that, such good stuff, you know, what occurred to me was, oh, Lord, let me be aware of inflammatory thoughts. Mm-hmm. Whenever I feel, when you kind of touched on earlier, whenever I feel that that overreaction to something or uh, that not so righteous indignation <laughs> that rises up that that needs to be a warning sign to me okay wait a minute wait a minute what does the lord say about this particular thing and and to bring that back into order because inflammatory thoughts leads to inflammatory lifestyles it's where that inflammatory stuff begins to consume our love. And I love so much what you talked about, um, about the fear. And I was reminded, God's brought this scripture to me a lot. I know that we're living in perilous times. Jesus told us we were. He told us. He said, I'm telling you these things so that when they happen, you will not be afraid because I've overcome the world. But Isaiah 8, 12 says, do not call conspiracy everything this people calls a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. And so it does come back to that. What what is this doing in my heart? And even when I find myself contradicting the Lord and saying, yeah, but, and I'm exalting my situation. I don't usually have a problem doing that to other people. It's mostly me where I exalt my quote unquote truth above what the Lord has already promised me, what he's already said. And it's that reminding ourselves of the promises of God. And that's why, again, I just love this devotional because you just bring us back to some of the basic things that the Lord has said to help recalibrate our Mm. soul. I love it. Okay. If I read one more for you, please, please. This one is toward the beginning of the Devo and toward the beginning of scripture. I mean, it's called deal with a disconnect. Genesis 17, 17. Then Abraham bowed down to the ground but he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she's 90 years old? 
God promised Abraham that the generations would come through Abraham and Sarah. His response, he bowed low, but he laughed on the inside. How often do we do the same? We sing about God's faithfulness, but do we really believe he'll do the impossible in our situation? When the gap widens between what our outward Christian actions reflect and what our inward beliefs reveal, we must make note of it, but without condemnation. We often arrive here because we're weary in the waiting or tired from battle, but we must not allow the gap to linger within us for very long. Re-engage your faith today. Remember, God could do in a moment what takes us a lifetime to accomplish. And when faith awakens your heart and inspires your actions, well, that's the stuff of miracles. And the mm. action step, it's time to deal with the disconnect. God is better than we know, and he's kinder than we can fathom. Remind your soul today that nothing is impossible with him. Wrestle with God and contend for his promises until you believe them again. Your faith is so very precious to him. And here's the prayer. Precious Lord, you are a faithful God. Show me the gap that exists between what I do and what I truly believe, and then fill in those empty spaces with more of you. Awaken my heart, and, and I will engage my faith. Do the impossible in my life. In your name I pray. Amen. Mm. Yes, yes, Lord. That gap. Oh, I love how you put that, because that that really is it. And when the Lord points it out, it's, you know, his correction isn't rejection. He's just saying, I want to heal you there. And I, I hope that you've heard that as we've been talking about the different things is that this isn't condemnation. Like Susie pointed out, it's just saying, God, would you heal the gaps in my soul? Ah. I, I just received that for myself today, Susie. I, I'm really tired of living in the gap. I need God's truth to stand in the gap for me. And um, I just love it. Well, listen, my friend, can you tell, tell us where we can find more about your devotional mm. and more about your ministry? Sure. Uh, SusieLarson.com is my website. And there's blessings. There's a, a daily email blessing I send out. You just subscribe there. It's free if you want or monthly devotional. And then um, I'm pretty active on Facebook. Blessings are posted there every morning and night and just different memes and content. And then I do Facebook live devotionals out of Prevail every once in a while there. And I'm a little bit newer to Instagram, but I'm there as well and on Twitter. So, um, but yeah, and uh, I, you can find the book on Amazon too. Uh, it's selling kind of fast and stores. Uh, Amazon seems to always have a good stock of them for us. But um, so I pray that the Lord uses it to bless you greatly. Amen. Amen. And you guys, honestly, you, you've got to go back and listen to episode one, but also Susie has a wonderful radio program that's also available on podcast. Is that true? That's right. It's called Susie Larson Live, and it's on three o'clock Central Standard Time every day. And we give books away every day, and then it goes to podcasts. So if you go to iTunes or any of your podcast players and search my name, you'll find it. And my old show for eight years, Joanne had been on plenty of times, was called Live the Promise. So you might, don't be confused by that. It's just I did that for eight years. I took a break because of health stuff. And uh, this afternoon show is now called Susie Larson Live. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Well, we definitely need to learn how to prevail in this time, but we have a mighty God who is more than willing to help us. And Susie, I would just love as we close this time together, if you would pray over us today. Mm. Well, Father in heaven, we, we honor you. And Jesus, we honor you as king. And we are part of a heavenly kingdom and we have a king. Our hope is in you. And Lord, you could be any way you want it because you're unopposed. You have no rival. It's your kind and you're compassionate 
and you care about every nuance and detail of our story, Lord. We're just, I'm amazed that you count and number every hair on our head. You heal the brokenhearted, you bind up our wounds, and you put the stars in place. <laughs> so you're vast and amazing, and you're near, and you're intimate, and you are our king. It's just an amazing thing to be part of your kingdom. So we submit to your rule and reign. Lord Jesus, we say, have your way for your glory. Glorify your name in our lives, Lord God. We just declare your goodness over our story and everything and anything the enemy has tried to use against us, every scheme fashioned against us, everything he's stolen, everything in our ignorance that we handed over to him, Lord God. You will redeem, you will restore, and Lord God, you will get the glory for it. So as we submit to you, Lord, we just want to see ourselves in the bigger story because our story is part of the bigger story. I pray for my friend listening today that you'd heal her deepest wounds, that you'd heal and restore her from the trauma that she's endured, that you'd make the crooked way straight, that you'd open her eyes where she's blind. I just get a sense that there's self-berating and self-limiting thoughts that keep keeping her from the best of what you have. Expose those, Lord. As Joanna was saying, this is never about condemnation. It's always about invitation. But show her her own self-limiting beliefs. Show her, God, where she gets in her own way from the great things you want to do in and through her. Show her her calling, God. Give her a heart to speak to the mountains and command them to move, to rise up, Lord God, and to be steadfast fast in her spirit, that you are who you say you are, and you're going to do what you say you're going to do. I pray more than anything, my dear sister would see her value, would see the power of your promises, and would see the importance of her calling in this day in which we live. Quicken her mortal body even now. Heal yes. her from any sickness, God. Yes. Deliver her from any depression. Help her to cast off any melancholy and diseased self-introspection so that she can look up and see, God, that the glory of the Lord has risen on your people. And it is our day, Lord God, to shine and to pray for the sick and the hurting and to step forth knowing that everywhere we place our feet, your kingdom, God, comes to earth. Help us to be bold and wise and humble and winsome and loving and full of hope so people will rush to us and say, tell me about the power that marks your life. Let us be those people, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you so much, my friend. Love you so much. And always good to get to talk with you, hon. Well, I don't know about you, but Susie always helps recalibrate my soul. As I listen to her speak, I just find my heart turning back to Jesus and, and a desire growing in my heart to access the power of His Word. I hope you'll check out the good stuff she mentioned. You can find links at my show notes, as well as a place to sign up for the new Bible reading challenge that I'll host on Facebook. It's called Word of God Speak 2021. And if you know someone who needs Susie's message today, you can share the link from your podcast player. And while you're there, if you wouldn't mind leaving a rating and review, it really helps get the Living Room Podcast out in front of more listeners. No matter what this new year holds, I want to remind you that God is holding you. <laughs> He's going to take care of you, my friend. And I pray that you feel His presence today, that peace and hope that He wants to give, so that no matter what happens, no matter your current situation or tomorrow's situation, you and I can live and love and lead like Jesus. See you next time, my friend. <laughs>